Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mission 300 podcast. Today we want to continue where we left off in the last episode a bit, talking about this new chapter of our conversations and really focusing on things that have made a tangible and a real impact in our lives as, as we've grown up and as we've been mentoring people, being mentored by people, and really the whole heart of the Mission 300 program in the first place. And so we wanted to, to start talking about things that have impacted us or what what do we see as an actual need in people today that we can provide? Because there's a lot of theories and ideas of, well, wouldn't it be great if everyone would just start doing this? Okay, well, maybe yes, that would be great. But what's something that is actually tangible that we have seen impact our lives and impact the lives of other people? And how can we actually implement that? So we're going to dive into the conversation there. Let me kick off with a question that when you were growing up, um, when you were younger, what was a key moment that someone else in your life um, came in that helped positively alter the direction that you were going? How did that affect you? And you don't need to necessarily go through a big, long story, but maybe break it down to what was the key element, if you look back now, that made the difference when someone else came in to your life. And we're tying this into mentorship of what we're actually needing. And I think our world provides all these ideas of what they think we need, but I would like to hear from you what was actually needed and what was that moment that you can remember that helped alter. And it doesn't have to be when you were super young, it could have been anywhere in your life, but that you remember a significant moment when someone stepped into your life and said something, did something and interacted with you. And what did that look like? I would start it off by saying when I was nine, I was big into baseball. And so like that consumed my whole summers. And I was probably, it was, I believe I was nine year, nine years old. And I was just kind of starting to take off on baseball and really start to understand how to play the game and how to play it well. And I remember my goal being to make the all-star team for my little league at the time. And I remember I didn't make it and I felt terrible. And I felt like I wasn't like worthy for whatever reason. But I remember the coach who picked the teams came up to me and said like, you are good enough to be on the team. There's just not enough spots. And so he said, like, next year you need to work, you need, like work harder over the winter, over the, the next year. And one of those spots will guaranteed be yours. And I just remember that changed my whole outlook on like who I was. Like I knew then it was in like my control. Cause I felt really out of control. Cause it was like, Oh, this guy just picked the teams. It's, about who you know because I wasn't really super connected at the time and but he saw me and it pushed me to realize that like this is in my control and I can become better and I can perform better and make the team at the end of the day and I think that's kind of changed how I've operated since then like I now know that within my abilities I can I can push myself to do better and I can I can be more and um that there's someone who believes in me too. I think for me, it was pretty recently I had, um, just like when I was starting to do more of like the media video world, I had somebody who I was working with. And every time I made something or 
created a video, they would always like give me really good feedback that, but they also really encouraged me. And um, just the other day I was thinking about it, like I probably wouldn't be where I'm at today if I didn't have them constantly like encourage me and telling me like, you know, like that I was doing well and things like that. And I was just thinking like how I was grateful for them because I mean, this was just in the last year like how much I've like improved or changed is largely due to them just constantly encouraging me in everything that I was doing. When we were bringing up this question, I had a, a very odd flashback, or at least I thought it was odd, but apparently not because it's one of the most impressionable memories when I was a kid. I think I was around nine or 10 years old. Then my brother and I were getting into wrestling and we had never wrestled before. And I remember at practice as we were learning moves and when we eventually got to wrestling with other kids, um, I, I remember I, I was a very quiet and reserved kid and kind of a, a timid kid. And so this was a weird thing for me to get into, but I really wanted to, but I didn't really know how to enter a wrestling mindset. Like I'd wrestled with my brother and stuff, but a, just a different mindset when you're like, I need to take this person down and pin them. So I remember in practice, the first time I pinned a kid because I was so nice, I just instinctively said, oh, sorry. And I apologized to the kid for pinning him. And the coach grabbed my arm, pulled me over and he, he got down really quiet and he looked me in the eye and he said, don't ever apologize or say you're sorry. And it was just this weird moment because it, 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 it wasn't shocking, but it like shook me into a different mindset of there is a time to be nice and peaceful and calm, but that's not this time. You need to know what it's like to mentally turn something else on to where you are being aggressive and you're, you're fighting someone for a, a reason and for a cause. And here's how you start to engage with that. And I will never forget that as long as I live, because it was the first time I can remember really getting into this there is the time to fight and don't apologize for it when you're in that time. I flash back to, uh, we were living in Phoenix. I had started a, a recruiting company, wasn't very good at it, but it was in a time period where the whole tech world was exploding. And it was really about just getting a resume to a company. And anyway, thing, things were happening, but I hit a wall because I didn't really know how to keep moving forward. And maybe I actually did know how, but the confidence to actually interact with people over the phone, I'm not, I wasn't a sales guy. I, I don't even ask how I got into this whole business, but I, I wasn't a sales guy. I lacked the confidence to interact. I, I didn't think I was going to do it. I was just hitting this real low point, um, in my thought process, in my mind, in my confidence. And I remember a, a friend of mine came over to my house and I'm, I'm abbreviating this story, but for time's sake. And he didn't know I was in all this stress of dealing with all of this. And he just came over and just said, I just want you to know, I admire you and I believe in you. And it was the most impactful moment. At that point, something shifted in my environment. It didn't necessarily make it easier. Like the problem was still there. All the things I had to go deal with was, were still there, but something shifted in me that I became something different towards that problem. And I just remember that 
that moment. And it's like he, he offered no advice. He had no advice. He offered no support, no resources, nothing. Just those words that he believed in me. And I think it meant a lot because it came out of him not really knowing where I was at, but just seeing something in me and a timing to come and do that. And so that became a real shaping moment for me. And I think it's a lot of the reason of some of the principles that have been built on our Mission 300 mentorship program of getting to those core things of what's needed and what do we need as human beings? What don't we need? Um, and you guys shared some really powerful stories. And I guess my next question I'm going to bring back, and maybe it's going to push back on this idea. So I think it's good. Like if you have a great idea and you, you have a thought, it should go this way, or it should go that way. We should be able to reflect enough to sit and almost challenge our own thought of whether that's a really a true statement. And so reflecting back, if we look at it, could we not have just made it and found some internal force? Or do we really need that external idea coming in? Does it become that that where the external uh, help came from? Does that become our new source of life? How do we distinguish that? Because some people become very loyal to someone because they believed in them, but yet that's not really the right direction just following that person. Um, it could be, but it may not. But how do we how do we break that up and look? Because some people have never had this happen to them before, yet they're growing. Or at least they don't believe this has ever happened to them before. So, and we're dealing from a human perspective. We'll get into the God perspective at the end. We're just dealing with a human perspective. So what are your thoughts on that? Can you push back on that on yourself? Could you have not figured that out? Could you have not mustered something from within to deal with that if no one ever said anything to you? I think there's a possibility that maybe I could have, but I think it made the process so much quicker by knowing that someone believed in me. And it's interesting because like the belief didn't put in the work to like make it come true. But that belief like was carrying of confidence until I built confidence in myself. And so I don't know if I would have found that later out later on in life with something else. And it's happened many times in my life. That's just like the first experience that came to mind when that, you know, initially that thought comes to mind is that was it was that moment where I I felt like someone believed in me and that I was good enough to do it but I still had to work for it and so I don't know if it would have happened with baseball at that particular time if someone didn't believe in me but I think in life it would have happened somewhere well this let me follow up with that question to you and then we'll Caleb and Jason if you'll comment on the first question if your coach would have just came to you and said, you know, Tommy, I feel bad that you didn't make a team. I'm just opening up another spot. How would that have actually made you feel in that moment? I probably would have been a little disappointed and probably excited because it's what I wanted, but it would have lowered the standard of the team. And I think in the long run, that would have hurt me a lot is knowing that. And I probably wouldn't have fit in with the team. Because it was, it was given to me. I wasn't earned, even though I played well. I did everything right. 
a decision had to be made. I got cut. I didn't deserve it. So I think that would have, it would have hurt me in the long run if that would have happened. Probably would have been somewhat excited just because of the age and I really wanted it that bad. But I think it, sometimes those things are what actually makes you better is getting, <laughs> facing adversity, yet still having someone in your corner believing you and fighting that uphill battle. I think it develops character. And Thanks, Tommy. Caleb, back to that uh, first question. Yeah, I, to be completely honest, I probably, for me, I wouldn't have, like, been able to maybe overcome some of the things without someone encouraging me. And I, because I'm thinking, like, there were some things that I thought I was bad at, like, when it came to creating videos or that things that I did wrong, which they might have been, but he still gave me positive feedback and encouraged me. And then I also thought if I flipped the coin and thought I was only good and never had anything to like give me feedback on, then I would probably have been in the same position. So I think if someone wasn't there to give feedback and encourage me, then probably would have been a little bit of a different story, to be honest. Thinking back to to my story, if that hadn't happened, then I I never would have been able to, I guess, understand a different mindset on my own. If it wasn't from that coach, it it had to have it would have had to have come from someone else somewhere down the line. But that wouldn't, I I really don't think that would have been something that just popped up into my head myself, or at least not in the not in a healthy way, because I was such a more of a gentle, kind kid, if I were to have tried to figure out an aggression side to me, it probably wouldn't have been in a healthy context if it was just coming out of myself. But because there was that person and that guidance, it was able to be shaped and formed. I ended up, I was terrible at wrestling, but it was an extremely good experience that I carried with me in a lot of different areas. But if it wasn't for a person like that, it wouldn't have happened or if it did it would have been in a very uh, non-productive capacity i'd say yeah i agree without even the experience that i had i don't i i think in time another experience would have come along that would have helped but in that moment to have a mind shift that was so critical to the next phase because without that mind shift i would have still just stayed stuck right where i was at and it's such a powerful mind shift. And it's like, it, it really is a critical thing that we all need. And we should get that from God. Like, uh, honestly, our, our, basically what you're saying is when, when, you, when we hear that term, I approve of you, it's not a term like, I just accept you for what you are. This is what you are. Uh, you're a lazy couch sitter living in the basement, playing video games, potato chips. I just love where I just, I approve of you. That word doesn't apply to that. It doesn't mean you are looking at behavior per se. What you're saying is I believe in something deeper in you now move forward with that. You understand it's not, you're, you're all these problems you're carrying. 
I understand, just carry them and I approve. You're not approving of any of the outward, you're, you're approving of something deeper. And I think it's interesting in Ephesians 4.29, it says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And let's, let's, re, let's take off our Bible lens just for a moment and just look at the practicality of those words. A corrupt communication is one that's tearing down, it's breaking infrastructure. So it's talking about edifying or tearing down. And it doesn't mean tearing down. We think of just saying mean words to someone constantly and berating them and telling them they're no good. Some people could just learn to write, like you can create a tough skin that actually go opposite to that. That, that really in and of itself isn't the real corruption. The real corruption is those little things that say inside you're not capable, you're not able, you're not, you're not there. So let me do these other things because you are not a whole person. So corrupt communication can actually be kind words. They can sound pleasant words. But it'd be like, Tommy, man, I feel so bad you didn't make the team. I, I'm just, I, I get where you're at right now. And, you know, I'm just going to open up a new position so you don't feel bad. Those are corrupt words. Because it's basically saying, you're not approved of me. But I don't want your feelings hurt, so I'm going to open up something else. But it says... But that which is good to the use of edifying, and it's interesting, all those words, no one really did anything for you. They, they didn't make, they didn't offer you something more. They didn't, um, well, in some sense, Tommy, your coach was saying next year, I will have a spot because he saw you were right there. If you just put a tweak in, man, you, you got a spot on the team. So in, in a sense, he was giving a sense of hope in the future, but you still had to wait a whole year to see that come to pass. But those are edifying words, like Jason, your your uh, wrestling coach, speaking those those words of just clarifying. This is who you are in these situations. You don't apologize for that. You're you're being sorry for something you should not be sorry for. Now move forward with that. And it was just enough switch, Caleb. When you're doing your your work and you're presenting it and you're having confidence issues, and just someone says, "I appreciate this work," it's not. The, those aren't always just nice little uh it's not like your 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 mom or dad and you're a kid and you come home and you draw this crappy picture you know it's not good for an art show all right your parents are going to love it because they see your effort in it but to make it a showcase and try to enter it into an art expo would really be an embarrassment to you because you're not there yet so those type of things can hurt us, but the kind of things of uh, what, what you're hearing on your job, this is your job. So if they're thinking it's garbage, um, what's the value of you being there if it's not producing what, the, what they're wanting? And so those type of words edify what we actually are. And so that's kind of what I want to get into today even more is how do, how do we start um, looking at mentorship 
differently. And I thought it was interesting that it may minister grace to the hearers. And I just want to give a clarification. Whenever I'm speaking about grace, you guys have been around me long enough. Grace is the position you're put into that you don't deserve. So in a sense, you're given a position you don't deserve because God's now going to enter in and be a part of that. So he's now joining forces on the inside with his grace. But grace doesn't mean everything's easy now. Grace doesn't mean, okay, things are just going to lay out in the way that I want them to go. Grace doesn't mean big problems aren't going to be in front of you that you got to face. Grace doesn't mean, oh, I can just go do anything with, I can be, I can just go do anything with my life now because I have grace. We've missed it. It's the inner side of you, that internal you, this is what I see in you and I'm gracing you to pull that out. And I'm going to edify that inner man to deal with the outside life. And that's grace. And we, we don't deserve it. We can't earn it. But it's not necessarily that you're just giving a free pass. It's God comes and aligns with you in that moment uh, and becomes part of you. And now you're rising to a different position. Okay, so moving into the, the next thought. So we're talking about the kind of the need for that external. It's not really external. Someone to speak into us that actually speaks to our heart that draws out what we are intended to be. Could we say that would be the better way? Because it's really not an external motivation. It's more of an external, but it's inspiration because it speaks to something that we already are. I think now, the the word of it has to come from something that's, we would say is technically external, but it has to speak to something internal. It can't be an external focus. It can come from the outside, but it has to speak into what you are. Otherwise, it, it won't have any effect. I would just say, like, from my experience with my coach, my coach was speaking to the winner within me, and that wasn't just for baseball, that was for life. Like, that took, like, an average person who was good, right? Always good, always good, but never great. And why is that? Because I was never pushed beyond, you know? And so I think him speaking to that inner inner person really pushed me beyond, and I didn't need that external push beyond that because I knew that he saw it in me and therefore I could continue living that out. The one thing I would, I would like to touch on too is the difference between that being like a human, like a man and being God, because it's way different. And I, I think in my life, it has been a huge difference. How did you get the difference so that you would value the one over the other? more i'm not sure i understand your question well i mean growing up especially in the church world god loves you he forgives your sins you're approved before him god loves you great but a lot of people aren't changed by that some are but they're still looking for someone to speak into their life and come alongside them so why don't we take that as a value point or is that just a cool idea? But at the end of the day, I'm still on my own to figure it out. Well, I know that shouldn't be the way it is. I'm just saying it kind of is the way it is, unfortunately. No, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, how many people know that they're loved by God, but still need external praise and love from X, Y, Z? I mean, you see it all over the place, like in relationships with 
you know, relationships with friends, with family, with boyfriend, girlfriend. It's like their their hunger is for that feeling of like you're approved. And I would definitely say that's the thing that's like impacting a lot of Christians, a lot of people, everyone, everyone's starved for attention. And I, I, I would have to think more on how, how that came to be in my life. Do we have a wrong perspective? Uh, maybe we're getting off topic because we're, we're talking about what do we need from a mentorship? You're not getting off topic. I'm about ready to take us off topic. Um, do we have a wrong perspective of what we're needing? Do you think there's something like what you guys received if you're really wanting something, an external thing to validate you, like if you're really like, I got to have this thing and then I'm someone and someone comes along and tells you something like that, do you really listen to it? You understand what I'm saying? Like if your whole identity, Tommy, that your brother was the top of his team, your, your family's all, your, you have three generations on this little league team that was always the number one. And here you didn't make the team. You got to make the team. Would those words from your coach have meant the same versus I just love playing baseball? I mean, I don't think those words would have meant as much for my coach. So there has to be a positioning of our expectation as well in order for this to work. Are you saying like, if we're looking for the external approval, even when we get it, it won't be enough because like, we'll just need more of it as time goes on. Is that? Yeah, almost like if, if our identity is getting to a place, like if, if we take how the world defines whether, whether it's success or whatever, if we, begin to embrace the external validation of our life. Those words that edify you on the inside often will be ignored, which brings us into a point number that maybe we could talk about on the next podcast and, you know, preparing for that. But I think when we're speaking of edifying, a lot of times it's, it, it can come from anyone but, but sometimes that person who's not really even connected into what we're going after, coming in and speaking something to us, a lot of times has a different effect. So I guess I kind of answered my own question. God has a way of getting you that if you're open to what really is going to make a difference in your life and what matters. But again, I think we have to set a standard of what, what does when we're talking about mentorship or growing something, what is the end result we're ultimately trying to look for? What is the measurement that we've arrived at full fruition of what we're intended to be? What does that look like? Well, from a mentor perspective, would that be pulling out what you know that person is capable of or pulling out like the inner person of them? in essence, right? Like bringing the real them to the forefront and speaking to that and not necessarily speaking to the signs that they are giving you. Like, oh, I need love and attention. But what you really need is someone to challenge you because that's speaking to the real you, which is what I needed when I was a kid, right? I had all the love 
and I had all the, you know, I was raised in the church. My family loved me, but no one spoke to me like my coach spoke to me. It cut deep and it went right to the point and it was like, whoa, what about all the lovey-dovey stuff? But it's like, no, that he was speaking to like the real me. And that's why it changed me. Whereas a lot of times I've had mentors, people in my life who speak to what they they think is the you that you need. You need attention and you need X, Y, Z. You need someone to listen to or whatever, but no, you need to speak to the real them. Would that be the difference between a mentor and an enabler? And maybe we've confused the two at times. Uh, go further with that. Well, a mentor isn't someone who, at least in effect and in practice and what we've seen and experienced, that's not a person that comes alongside you and pats you on the back when you've done something that you screwed up and says, well, you didn't really screw it up. It's like, no, you, you did screw it up. I remember my driving instructor when I, when I was taking my driving test, I, I was perfect the entire time. I even had to correct him once because he told me to turn right when there was nowhere to turn right. So I corrected him lovingly and I got points for that. At the end of it, I jumped the curb on the final parking section of it. Like half the vehicle went up on the curb and then back down. And he just looked over at me and says, you really botched that, didn't you? And I said, yeah, yeah, I did. And then that was it. He, it wasn't like, oh, it's okay. You did so good on the rest of it. It was, no, you screwed that up. It was, that was terrible. But I know that you're fine and you're ready to move on to the next level and you're ready to pass. Like that's, that's more of a, a mentor because they have to see who and what you really are and be patient with you in that. We talked about this before where that kind of love is patient, but it's not tolerant. Tolerance would be, it's okay, Tommy, we'll make you another team or we'll make a Tommy varsity team because you didn't make the real one. And it's okay to just stay there. Or we'll, like Brian was saying, we'll add a new spot for you because we don't want you to feel left out. And, you know, just biblically, nowhere is love ever described that way. Our father is not tolerant of us, but he is patient with us. And the difference is to be patient with someone is to see who they truly are and what they're capable of and to not give up on them whether that journey takes a day or 20 years to be tolerant would be like you were saying earlier, Brian, you don't have to change. You can just sit on the couch and eat M&Ms and Reese's and ice cream and just never amount to anything. And then you're a, you know, 50 year old kid living in your mom's house who can't make your own breakfast in the morning. That's, that's, I'd say that's the difference between the two. And, and two, if someone says, like, hey, it's okay if you don't do this or you don't amount to anything, like not to bring down anybody who's that's been said to, but that person probably doesn't believe that you actually will then anyways. And they probably don't love you as much as you should and as much as they should. And I think like, that's such a huge thing is like, if you truly love somebody and you respect them, you'll be willing to tell them like who they really are, who they can become, even if they're not in that moment. And if you're just going to tell them that they can sit back, like if, if the coach had been like, Oh, it's okay, Tommy, like, don't worry. Like we'll just open up a space for you. Then he would have been saying, you're not good enough. If we keep things the, the same way we are, we'll have to actually like lower our standards to make it good enough for you, but you'll never amount to that. But instead he said, actually you can, and I believe you can, 
just do it next year and like put in the work and you will be on the team. Like that's like true mentorship, not telling you, you suck in, in a loving way because they would have lowered the standards. Wouldn't he have also been saying you never have to be good enough or be any better than what you are because we're just gonna make do with you and make room for you. Even if you're not qualified for it, even if you're not good enough, which I, I think sometimes people will look at, you know, the gift of grace and salvation that God gives us that we didn't earn or deserve. And fair enough, that's true, but that's very different than in this context, where in really what you do is stunt someone's growth and you actually are cutting out their identity from them because their identity is not, I just want to be a loser who never tries to get better at baseball. I have a question. Um, how much of this then is on the mentee then like the mentor like because it, it takes a sort of receiving from the person who's getting mentored by someone else to actually accept that right so it's it's a give and a take i would assume and maybe I, i'm off somewhere but I, I feel like you have to be open to receiving the mentorship for it actually to produce a change too. So it's not just on the mentor actually speaking truth to the inner person, but it's that person having humility to accept that point. Right. Cause I would assume. I think Ryan, there does have to be both, but I, but I would weigh more on the mentor side because the mentee is never going to ask for that specific thing, because a lot of times we don't even know exactly what we need at the time. Well, at least in my example, I didn't know I needed a coach to come alongside me and say, don't say you're sorry for this. I had, I never would have asked for that in a million years, but I was open to receive it because it's really what I needed. And it's really what pulled out of me what was in there. Well, I, I think you guys just touched into a really important concept that the, the, the mentorship concept can create the framework for this to happen, but it doesn't mean you have a mentor-mentee relationship. So for instance, uh, creating an environment that you step into. So I would say the moment the mentee is willing to take a risk in a new environment that they're normally, uh, they may wanna do, but, but they're not fully confident yet, or they, they don't know how they're going to fit in it, or they're brand new, and they have to face something about themselves, is the time that they will see the mentee, the mentor-mentee relationship actually emerge. That would be the heart willingness. I don't think it, the mentee comes in and goes, okay, I'm opening myself up to advice, because I know a lot of people that just go seek advice all day long, and they still don't do anything. That That's almost an approval by itself. Like, their satisfaction is that someone's constantly speaking their life. So therefore, the more problems I keep coming up with, or the more I can look like I'm the humble servant, it, it's not a mentor-mentee relationship. I, I don't even know what you would call that, but that isn't what this is. This is, you're, you're putting yourself into an environment, and I had this experience happen. And so let, let me step back before I go forward with that. This is where we can see a mothering concept versus a fathering concept. So a mothering concept, which is critical in the early stages of our development and our life, 
of the nurture, the care, the the nourishment, the the uh, acceptance, the unconditional love that that um, emotion. But then there hits a point where you need to become an adult. Uh, most cultures, this is around 12, 13 years old. Our culture, apparently it's around 25, 30. Okay. But this usually happens in a normal culture, 12, 13 years old, that you're, you're becoming a man, especially with, with boys, girls too, but you're becoming a man. And now the father concept is I want to take you outside of where you're comfortable and put you where you're not comfortable and let that in that what's been put into you in the comfort come out. Otherwise, you're valuable to mom, but you're no value to the, to the people around you. So creating that environment where there's a sense of, of challenge, a sense of, I have to face myself, I have to face my weaknesses, I have to face my insecurities, I have to face all those things, then when a mentor comes along to help you navigate through that, that's where that really has the greatest effect. It really doesn't work in a comfort zone of a mentor trying to get you out. You have to make that choice and willingness to step out. And it would be great if you had a life experience that actually encouraged that. Most people haven't. So let's just look at that. You have to step into some new arena. What are your thoughts on that? Are you asking like if we don't, if somebody doesn't have their that life experience of someone encouraging them to step into? Okay, let me rephrase that question. Caleb, when you experienced those words, were you doing the thing that you were so comfortable with? Or it was because you moved into a new arena? Definitely because I moved into a new arena. Tommy, when you experienced those words, was it doing playing baseball in your backyard with your dad and brother? Or was it because you stepped into an arena that was outside of your control? Stepped outside of my control. Jason, was it because you were wrestling with your brother and your dad came in and you pinned your brother and, and you're having that conversation? Or was it because you stepped into an arena that was outside of your control? Completely new world. Okay. You guys understand where I'm getting at is, so that opens up someone to be mentored. Doesn't mean everybody wants it. Doesn't mean everybody needs it. It just, or everybody kind of needs it, but it doesn't mean everybody's going to receive it. But once you do that, you've kind of opened your heart up to something absolutely foreign and you're much more accepting of words that will build you up, not just help, help uh, make you feel good. That's I think a very important point. I think the most unloving words is when you call someone back. Uh, let me give you an example. So we, we read uh, Psalm 23. I mentioned this before, but I think this is the perfect mentorship scripture. You're nourished, right? He leads you beside the still waters. He restores your soul, right? I think there's a place for that. So you come into God and it's almost like you're nourished. You're mothered into that, that, place, especially if you've been beat up, broken, all of those things. So there's this restoring of your soul, right? Then you start watching him and he shows you how to walk this new path out, this new way. He leads you in the paths of righteousness. So now 
he's showing you what that looks like, but you're still in a safe place when he's showing you all those things, correct? We do, it's kind of like growing up in home. So if we look at like you're, you're growing up in your house, but then, hey, though, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll fear no evil because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now's the point where mentorship means something. This meant something, this is important, but that doesn't make you effective into the place that you're called to go. It prepares your heart, but it doesn't release your heart where other people feel the effect. It's when you step into that dark place and you remember those words that came to you and, and all of a sudden God's word and his thoughts that he shared with you in those early times become real and you see them starting to play out and you had a picture of what it looked like. So in a way, the second part after the restoring of your soul is him starting that mentorship journey with you of showing you what it looks like. Then you step out on your own and you're doing it and you're going somewhere because he's prepared a table, but Everyone wants to get somewhere, but they but there's always this place of foreignness. So if you just look at the valley of shadow of death, foreignness. I, I'm unfamiliar. I don't even know what this feels like, what this looks like, all these new experiences. That's in that that place where the words start really mattering that you that were spoken over you. And so when I look at mentorship, um I see that type of environment. I think, yeah, in that verse, when it's like your rod and your staff come for me, whenever you step into a new arena, it's also like very important to have like words that you've heard before, like the nourishing words, but also the words that will guide you. And I think that's like super key is because when you're going into like a new arena and all that, like you really need words that can guide you and correct you because if you start stepping off the wrong way then it could like be more hurtful than the words are if the words are a little painful to hear at first if they're correction and everything like that so I think that's super key from even somebody who's like being mentored in that perspective is like the words like it's interesting how it says they comfort me because it is going to keep you on the right path if you listen to them and hear them correctly let me ask this let me ask this next question um you know we're talking about mentorship i i think we should define what that looks like what is the role of the mentor um how does he come into your life how do you find one do you need someone that's a constant mentor that you're you're calling almost like a uh an advisor is the mentor an advisor of what you should do or is it part of the role of the mentor to step into that arena to observe and at the right timing? Sometimes we've made it that the mentor needs to be this smart person with all these witty words and all these wise quips and, and all of uh, this, I'm, I'm the teacher, you're the student, you know, like the, the master and the you know, you see like the Kung Fu movies or whatever, you got the master and you got the student. Okay, there's a role for that. There is a role for that. But I, I don't look at that in the mentorship that we're talking about of how do you come alongside? Because keep in mind, you're the one going on the journey. 
You're the one walking that path. Only you can walk that path. So I have to be put myself where I could observe. But a lot of times it's not what you say. And it's not what you do. And it's not even the validation from, oh, good job, good job. The cheer You're not the cheerleader necessarily either. It doesn't mean there isn't parts where that comes in. It's more of you're, you're creating that environment. And then at the right timings, when, when the relationship hit, you can draw out of that person and remind them that this is what you are. And you remind them, yes, it's painful. Get through it. You can remind them, but it's, it's very... It's not teachy. It's not a, it's not, it's not preachy. It's not, I'm, it's not you conforming the mentee to you. Again, there's a difference between training someone in a field and we call that mentoring them up. But really what you do is you're an example of what it can look like. And, and that's important too, but I'm just referring to the, the, the mother fatherly, the elder person that just can see and speak something into you at the right time or is just there at the right time. So there's there's two parts. They both have to make themselves available, but it doesn't mean words are always exchanged. So I wonder if, and since we, we're talking about what's lacking and how do we start to address those things that we see in the world and in, in Christianity, maybe instead of asking, well, there's a lack of mentorship, so how do I start mentoring people? We start asking, how do I start creating environments that people are willing to step into and walk alongside them in those environments and then see what unfolds? Someone who's look, feeling like they, they would like to help other people get drawn up, you're going to have to step into uncomfortable environments. And part of being a, men, a good mentor is you're going to have to learn from the people doing whatever they're doing as well. So there is this give and take in that process. But you can't walk in as I'm the wise, I'm the wise authoritarian, I'm the wise uh, guy that I'm going to help you guys get from point A to point B. You don't know how to get everybody from point A to point B. All you know how to do is to be yourself and see what God is seeing in an individual and just be available for the timing for them to come up. And it takes time for them to trust you. But we need this. This is... This is part of the thing in the, in the early church when Timothy was putting mother figures and father figures into the church is it wasn't such a structure like, okay, Elder John is now having a class for young men and uh, Sister Sally is having a class for young women to learn how to, okay, those are okay. That's not mentorship per se. It could be, it could have become that, it can become that, but that isn't it. A coach can become a mentor, but a coach is not necessarily a mentor. A teacher can become a mentor, but they're not necessarily, there's an exchange between both parties and a willingness. So the willingness to step in and learn and, and understand and try to get a, a better eye of what that individual is walking through and then giving the principles at the right time for them to navigate through that. I think that's super key too, because if, um, if you're only giving people answers to their questions, 
and like constantly telling them what to do, where to go. Then when it comes down to like, when you can't be there for them, they're going to have no idea what to do and be like, just completely lost. They're going to be asking where you are and everything. So I think like giving the principles and everything that are more like useful for later in life are definitely important. And also like allowing people to make decisions. Like I think what you said, Brian was super key there. Like when I think of my dad and like whenever it's come down to his de decision, I think sometimes he's asked me like, well, what do you wanna do? Kind of like, not as a test, but kind of give me the freedom to make the decision and he'll still be there, you know, in case like if I do mess up or anything like that and he'll be there to tell me who I am and all that. So I think that's super key when it comes to mentorship is not just like giving somebody like the the map and saying this is each step you take and if you don't you'll mess up and you won't do the like you'll be off the path and but I think you know like being alongside somebody on the journey and giving them principles that is going to help them is very key. I think that is one of the most critical points with the, the, the mentorship relationship is the mentor needs to be humble enough to realize you don't necessarily know how you're going to get there, but you know, you've, you've may have been there before, but the journey for this person is going to be a, it, the, the principles will remain the same, but the journey is going to be different and being humble enough to recognize maybe some ignorance of their actual path they're on but the confidence in the principles to see that through and you're doing it together. So there does hit a point where it becomes alongside, but at no point do you become the source. And I like uh, going on with, with Caleb, the mentor is not the source for the, for the mentee. Otherwise the mentee becomes dependent on the source. It is to shift them. So their dependency becomes eventually and hopefully God with them, but that they can stand on their own and they can start moving forward that basically you become not needed. You have to let, you have to want them to outgrow you. Then you succeed. Now your relationship can still be there, but it won't be the same. I just, I, I think that's definitely true. Like the mentors, or if you want to mentor someone, it doesn't mean you necessarily have to have been somewhere or done something but you have to know the principles behind that. And you have to have the humility to know that this person could go way farther than you will ever go. And I think that's why it's a joy to mentor, right? Quote unquote. And I think it's interesting that we even use the word like mentor, like it's some formal thing, like, oh, Brian, will you mentor me please in life? It's like, no, that's not how none of none of the mentors in my life has formed up because of that. It's formed up because they see something in me and they draw that out. And so I would say if, if you're looking to have influence and become a mentor is just start drawing stuff out of people. Everyone you see, everyone, you know, draw stuff out and see, pay attention to the ones who are willing and open and ready to move with you. And I think that's how you create like a movement, right? And that's how you create something that lasts because you can't mentor someone who's not willing. And I think it's just a, 
it's a great thing to do is to feed people every day, you know, speak life to everyone you come across. But I just really want to like that whole point of like, it's not, you don't, you, you really don't seek a mentor. A mentor really doesn't seek you. You just kind of stumble and find each other in my opinion. And maybe I'm wrong. Well, I think, I, I think the learning we could take is the, if you want to be mentored, put yourself into an environment that's outside of your comfort zone. If you want to mentor, be humble enough and step into that arena without the expectation of them hearing you. You're just stepping in there and being there. You be there. And I think that's probably the bigger piece with mentorship is a lot of times you just have to be there and you don't have an expectation on, on the people to come to you because then you're only doing it for your own validation. But we need to do it. And I would like to change this term now to go with our identity, strength, courage, and influence of rather than looking at I want to be a mentor. How about where can I find myself where I can bring influence into another person's life? Because that could be a one-time crossing paths. It could be years. It could be in coaching. How do I become an influence that draws out that someone could go further than me? And I liked what you said about that, of the willingness to understand that this person will go further. I, Jesus even laid this out. You guys, greater works will you do than I do because I go to my father. In other words, I'm going, but I've given you something that you should go further. You can go further than even what I did. And I, I think that power of influence is, is such a critical part. And so I'll leave it with that of, we should look at the definition of mentorship as how do I, how do I put myself in position where I can bring influence to someone else's life? I'll just add to that too, that you, to continue to be humble when no one listens and no one takes the direction or the, the, the principle you give and someone goes out and does another thing and completely screws everything up. It can feel like such a disappointment. And I mean, Brian, you've probably felt this with me, right? You probably told me something you're like, Tommy, that's not what you that. But to still show up even after that mess is made, that's where like, that's where the trust comes. And that's where it's like, okay, now I know, now I understand. And you begin like those principles become ingrained. And that's that's where it takes them beyond you, is because you don't have to be there anymore for those principles to still stick in their life to keep them going. And I think that's, that's the powerful thing is like being a steady rock in someone's life is almost way more important than like spouting wisdom and them never listening to you. It's just be there. It's a big part of it. That's big. We should wrap it up with that. And uh, we're going to, we're going to keep these conversations going the next few episodes. Cause we're, I hope you guys are seeing, we're really opening up on how we've seen and experienced and 
we both received and given real influence and growth in development in people. And when you take the time to see this, honestly, it's very different from how the majority of people think it actually goes. And there's so much, there's so much good flowing and operating in Christianity. I wonder how incredible of an impact this kind of thinking would make in organizations and churches where this idea comes alongside of what they're already doing and you just see what happens. So we're going to wrap it up for this episode. We appreciate you guys tuning in each and every one until next time, keep the faith and stay in the fight.